Hello everybody and welcome to The Bit Effect. Today we are talking about Divinity Original Sin 2. Coming soon to a theater near you. Call for ticket prices and availability. Those are getting worse. Yeah, these <laughs> are getting terrible. Hit the music, Craig. The music always makes me think of Pirates of the Caribbean. You say Caribbean weird. No, I, know, well, I don't say Caribbean at all. I say Caribbean. But well, you must say human being. You don't say human being. If only there was a film. To... <laughs> if only there was a film. <laughs> hmm. Okay. And with me to discuss Divinity Original Sin 2 coming soon to a theater you call for ticket prices and availability are my good friends Craig. Hello. How are you today? And Luke. Shut up, Craig. Luke. <laughs> Hello, how are you today? I'm doing fine. I'm glad nobody interrupted me. <laughs> this is going to be the first in kind of uh, a trial run. So we started running into the problem of when we would go to pick games to do, we would always have to judge, okay, can this have a second episode made out of it? So like, you know, you pick Mario, you don't, you don't got much for that second episode. So while we might keep it for uh, further on RPGs of like story episode, mechanics episode, this time we're going to try to keep it free flowing and just go with it without having a, a complete story episode. We'll still give spoiler warnings, but um, let's hope this experiment works. Would you so, say, Dave, that, that we're keeping it loser and fancy free? All right, so that was the end of the experiment. What we're going to do now is stone Craig. <laughs> I, I think I just emptied my bowels. <laughs> All right, so after that derailment, let's let Craig read the stats or I'll kill him. Oh, my God, that was good. That was so good. That was pretty um, good. I'm not going to lie. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, so Divinity Original Sin 2, as I keep on forgetting to keep in the Original Sin 2, it's not Divinity 2, it's Original Sin 2, it's developed by Larian Studios, published by Larian as well, um, directed by Sven, Sven Vinkne, uh, I'm not going to read all the names. I'm guessing Sven Vinkne? Yeah, something like that. Um, and it was developed by a heap of other people. The music was composed, the fantastic music was composed by Boris Slavov. Um, and it's part of the Divinity series. It was released on platforms in 2017 through 2018 and then 2019. And it's an RPG. Uh, Larry and themselves. So you could say 2017 to yeah, 2019. Uh, something like that. Uh, Larry and themselves are mostly, in fact, almost nearly entirely known for the Divinity series, plus the most recent Baldur's Gate, and then some really obscure... Like, it says the company name... The company was formed in 1996, but I can't even find any, like, solid games through it, like 2002 or something like that. There's, there's some weird things there. Yeah, they did some weird port stuff yeah. beforehand. Yeah, um... Yeah, and that's that's it. It was it was released to you know like applause and fanfares and five out of fives and five stars out of five stars and stuff like that. So that's Divinity, and it's got a kick-ass box art um, and a pretty horrible plat splash screen with if and ben 
meant in the middle of it. <laughs> that was that was close. Um, okay, so first off, uh, let's talk Larian. Do you guys have any history taking out the original Sin series at all with these guys? No, no, I I haven't had no history whatsoever. After this, I bought Baldur's Gate three like an early release, but still fifty pounds. Baldur's Gate three. But nothing before this. This was my first toe dipped in the Larian Pond. So, I'm yeah, same here. Although I've got a little interest in fact, uh, although I can't actually back it up. I heard it on another podcast and I'm trying to figure it out. I heard that Larian originally went to uh, the guys that did D&D or owned the rights to Baldur's Gate and said, let us do a D&D game or Baldur's Gate 3. And they're like, uh, who are you guys? No. So then they went and did the Divinity series, and now it's kind of come full circle, and the D&D guys have come back and said, hey, hang on a minute, these are really good. Do you want to come and do Baldur's Gate 3? And um, they should have said, screw you guys. Yeah, we're working on Warcraft. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, th- this was my first first uh, insight into... I mean, if, if you guys had... <clears throat> Sorry, still choking. If you guys had played like um, Divine Divinity or was it uh, Eco Draconis or what, they felt like um, there's this weird uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for genre of games on like PC that are kind of like the best way to describe them is a cut cut rate Witcher. So like your Gothics, your Risen's, your those kind of games. Where it's like third person RPG, everything's a little janky. Maybe there's not enough animation for everything, but it's kind of an RPG. Um, those games were a lot like this, so I could sort of understand. I don't think it's TSR anymore. I think it's Wizards that owns Dungeons and Dragons now, right? Okay. Is it Wizards I, I of the Coast? Ooh. Um, yeah. I can understand well, them saying, "Who are you?" No, that's fine. We're fine, and I, I think the um the push to do okay let's prove that we can handle the D license was probably the best move larian ever did um so you guys both came in on the first one uh for me i i think it was you that recommended this to me Dave, but i can't remember um yeah i i've said this many times but me and my friend uh sam we played through this together i think it took us like 18 to 19 months <laughs> to finish the first one um and yeah just had a, a we bounced off it pretty hard. It's it's not the most I don't know. It's not the the easiest game to get into when you're not used to that type of game, especially on a, a controller. Like I typically, I would have played this game when I was a PC gamer on the PC. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is something magical about the combat, and then you kind of un unlayer all those bits of onion. Uh, later on you <laughs> those shreks I'm talking about yeah I don't know what I'm talking about onions um, but yeah that game just completely I was obsessed with it and it's amazing and um, another great fact about Larian is like me and Sam got stuck and we thought we'd we thought we'd hit a game breaking bug uh, and I spent hours researching it I watched like loads of people play through the game trying to figure out where we'd gone wrong um and then eventually i was like oh you know what like normally i'd just be like ah oh, screw it but we were like 40 50 hours into it um so I, I i messaged them on their their like larian studios have a forum and i went on their forum and created an account said where i was and they they uh one of their 
moderators got back and said like this is where you need to go and fix it and I was like, oh that's amazing like just to have that then this was years after like divinity 2 had come out so yeah that that love for their community is something that really attracted me to playing more of their games it is it is kind of cool when you get a hold of a game from like a smaller studio and there is that no okay wow the mods actually listen there's not like floods of things happening they're small enough to where they can take care of you on a personal level i like that a lot yeah yeah it's cool uh so is this the first western rpg that we've done As in CRPG-ish, not just yeah, general. Yeah, as in, you know, yeah, that CRPG feel. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've done action RPGs, we've done JRPGs. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, well, let's do I it. Think it may be. Okay. So, um, since, again, we, we can take this time to elaborate on things, do you guys have a long history with these things? Like, are you, were you considered fans of CRPGs? Not, not particularly for me back in the day. Oh, sorry, look. You no, did. I was just going to say, Dave, you never actually give us your history of uh, Larian. But, oh, oh, sorry. But... Yeah, I, sorry. I, I mentioned it. I, I played Divine Divinity and Ego Traconis because they were really cheap on Steam. And I was like, eh, it sort of looks like The Witcher. I'll give her a <laughs> shot. Um, and again, yeah, they're okay. They're just kind of jank. The, they were just nothing special. Other than you got yeah, to okay. fly around as a dragon and be like, blah, and Lair without motion controls. Oh, so like Spyro meets the Witcher. Hmm. Yes, let's go with Spyro meets the Witcher. <laughs> Everything is the same as the Witcher, except it's now Spyro. <laughs> Spitcher. The Spitcher? Okay, yeah, I'll take uh, it. It's a Spitcher. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, like to me, I didn't know these guys' names uh, just by looking at it until we were like, oh, it's the Divinity guys. Oh, gotcha. Uh, until original sin one uh, and unlike you and sam me grim played it for bleh, 40 hours and we got to the snow part that's all i'll say because we might do it in the future but you know where you go there and there's all the snow and then we just kind of yeah, drifted you take your time with that <laughs> yeah oh yeah, yeah this was very much a hundred percent i only plan on playing this once and that went down the tubes but yeah um yeah so it was it was a lot of fun and it was definitely the okay i need to pay attention to these guys now but anyway okay so crpgs um luke any kind of history with these things it's strange because like i just kind of associate this as a pc game rather than crpg just because of the whole mouse and keyboard thing so that's that's what the c stands for is computer oh computer i thought it was like complicated complicated (laughs) Uh, (laughs) let's cut this bit no Um, (laughs) yeah so like i was mad into diablo and and then that kind of transisted to transition to um oh crap what's that xcom style commandos and then there's age of empires and then red alert and june and so yeah, this was right up my street, but I'd never played one that has the layer of complexity as this one does. Like, it's quite heavy, and you don't have to participate in it. But there's a lot of story, and you can you can get right into that as you, as much as you want. It's it almost kind of reminded me of the Mass Effect level of detail in terms of choices, but maybe not not as 
red, blue, or in between. Definitely not as streamlined. Yeah, like like Mass Effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is way more streamlined. Um, so like, what about like the big ones that this draws inspiration from? Like, I'm curious. Do you guys ever futz with Baldur's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, Planescape Torment? So I, I wanted to say yes, but then I realized I played them all on the console, and it's not the same version. So <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. I. I was just going to say, like, I went through the same kind of journey as Luke, it sounds like, with Commandos, Red Alert, blah, blah. But then it hit a point, say 2002, when Divinity came out. That's almost exactly when I abandoned PC and went through that hazy period of student drunkenness, um, only to return years later, having missed a lot of that. And then for some strange reason, nothing's, it's very rare a good one of these comes along in console. So when you were like, oh, let's play Divinity Original, whatever, I, this was at the point when I started getting interested. If you had, if this hadn't happened, I probably still wouldn't have played it, to be honest. So neither of you guys uh, fights around with Fallout? Oh, I've done a lot of Fallout, but it was on the consoles. Okay, so like three onward? Yeah. Oh, okay. With me and CRPGs, I, I, I kind of went that Diablo 2, like Luke, to... Oh, this this isn't as much fun. I'll stick with my StarCraft. So I, I went like RTS route instead of CRPG okay. route because, as I'm sure we'll discuss, CRPGs love words and they put about five billion of them in every game. Um, so for for teenage Dave, it was yeah, that's boring. Instead, I want to stab things with an ultralisk. So let's do that. Uh, it, it genuinely wasn't until I started listening to podcasts and watching YouTube stuff and. Everybody would not shut up about Baldur's Gate and Planescape Torment and Fallout 1 and, and all of these like, oh, these are fundamental RPGs for Westerners. Well, okay, I got to check them out. I then proceeded to not check any of them out until they came out on console because I'm lazy. And then I went through like a streak of like Pillars of Eternity and then backwards. <laughs> and don't do things backwards. It's always worse. Uh, so I ended up walking away from things like Icewind Dale and Baldur's Gate, kind of like the, uh, eh, eh. it's not as fun for me as your pillars and your divinities. So yeah, I, I'm like, I, I you could say if it was a language, I'm, I'm almost fluent in it, but I don't like speaking it. Uh, mm. To me, I prefer the either straight tactical like XCOM or JRPGs. Or Klingon. Mm-hmm. Yes, or Klingon, where I could just yell kapla, and somebody out there will yell it back, and we'll just know, oh, hey, you know a word. Um, I um, I just Googled, in Divinity Originals into it, as 74,000 lines of voice acting, of fully voice acted material. Yeah, that's that's just, it, every line is voice acted? Uh, not every line is voice acted, but okay. there's 74,000 lines that are voice acted, plus the additional stuff. I wouldn't say all the Baldur's Gate 3 stuff is voice acted, and that's that's one of the main reasons why it's taking so long. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, like, not to spoil anything, but I, I really want to do that for the show, because I am, it, like, I think that's a weak point of this game, but Baldur's Gate 3 will rectify that weak point, so we'll leave it for right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, like, like, there is no cutting corners in terms of production from like original sin to original sin 2 they're both very high quality rpgs and again they have about a billion words mm. it, it, divinity original sin 1 had like a really like an almost zany like humor to it which i think 
was also a bit it could be a bit standoffish when you first come into the game you're like what what is this game is it trying to be funny is this on purpose it's then... like if you picked up book six in the disc world series and you're yeah. like this makes no yeah. sense yeah. yeah why am i stealing pants yeah <laughs> why am i wearing smelly pants um but that seems to have been kind of stripped back or it, it's still there in divinity 2 but it's not it's not so it's a little more sly like face. it's not just haha yeah. random <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay, okay, okay. So we're not going to discuss any more Divinity Original Sin 1 because that, again, we might do that on a, a later show. Maybe we'll do a once-a-year CRPG thing like Yakuza. Mm-hmm. But, um, okay, so Divinity Sin, Original Sin 2, whatever oh it's called. We're going to call it Divinity <laughs> 2. And I'm sorry what? if that makes your brain hurt. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. <sighs> but I am human, Craig. <laughs> anyway, okay, so... First off, Luke, how did you play it? Did you end up playing the solo? Did you play co-op? <laughs> so, uh, sorry, sorry, Sam, again. Uh, Sam and I bought, both bought this after uh, finishing Divinity 1, and uh, I got really unwell. I think I was off for like 10 days. With like, I slipped and hurt my neck really bad, and I was basically forced to lie flat. Uh, so, yeah, what started as me and Sam were supposed to play another 18-month I finished this in seven days or something stupid. So, um, yeah, on the console, um, I would love to play this on the PC for, for reasons we'll touch on later. But, uh, yeah, played it on the PlayStation 4. Um, didn't have any gripes with it, bar it being on a console when it's it's clearly designed on the, for the PC. But how about yourself, Dave? Well, I played Sorry, through it with Ian. that. How about you, Craig? <laughs> Sorry, I was eating a cookie. Your, your story was venture, very entertaining. Um, <laughs> I played through it with that dimwit who's probably eating something right now. I am not eating anything, thank okay. you very much. I finished about five seconds before Luke sounded like he was going to finish <laughs> to sound professional. We sound... This is the farthest thing from professional we've done. Um, uh, so, yeah. Uh, I had the honor, the pleasure, the, the misery mm-hmm. of introducing somebody to this style of game and then playing the entire game co-op with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dave, why there are you were, on fire? Oh, it's because there I some you high fire. Times? Sorry about that. <laughs> there were some low times. Um, there were times when uh, our, our classes clicked and they worked great together and then there were oh, times yeah. where like, boy, I probably should have went, you know, sortie instead of archery. Uh, but yeah, me and, me and Craig, we played through it. How long did it take us? Like um, not too long. I was it not something something in the region of seventy to eighty hours, maybe or maybe slightly less than that, fifty to sixty, somewhere in there. Yeah, it was it was kind of a divinity weekends kind of thing for us. Yeah. We played like she's like seven eight hours at a time. Yeah, get about three hours worth of work done, but it, it was fun. Um, it it was fun. Um, some false starts. A lot of me asking the same question over and over again, like, what does that civil ability do? Do with you saying read the wee box of text, Craig. Just read it again and think. Uh, that something wrong. we should put up front that Craig clued me into that I didn't know is if you're colorblind, Larian does not give an arse. Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> oh, oh, that can be. Oh, yeah, of course, because never even occurred to me, but it like does that grid thing, doesn't it? Does, uh, plus <laughs> the, the outlines on things. It's like, was that uh, red? Is that not? Uh, uh, yeah, so this uh, was a lot of. 
Uh, no, no, Craig, I was the dwarf standing next to the dwarf, not the one you uh-huh. hit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Kind of situations. I mean, in the end, it wasn't terrible, yeah, but I'm not the just... colorblind one, so Craig, you should say what it's like to play it. At some uh, honestly, as, as a colorblind individual, it was nightmarish at times, especially, like... It's a, d- a densely packed world in places with a lot going on, and you can zoom in, zoom out, but at the end of the day, you're relying on, if you're zoomed out a bit to see the bigger picture, you're relying on outlines to figure out what's going on, and I couldn't see any, like if there was a tree line or a wall, I just couldn't see an outline or a partial outline behind it, so it proved interesting. Transparencies were your downfall. Yeah, exactly. So, um, one of my characters, an archer, would reasonably... I don't want to say reasonably often, but there were occasions when I shot Dave, essentially, is what happened. <laughs> um, or maybe maybe produced an area of effect attack that injured Dave. Or maybe produced another effect which set a barrel on fire which then injured Dave. There was always... There was like a, a machine, one of those... What do you call those machines that just have knock-on effects? A, Ru- a Rube Goldberg? A Rube Goldberg machine. The end result was always injuring Dave. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It Which is a lot of a lot of the, the fun of the game yeah. um, when playing co-op, yeah. Yeah, if you're it, playing so, co-op, it's kind of like a turn-based Magicka. So, so, quick question. Like, me playing this alone, the first time I played Divinity, like, with Sam, didn't get much of the story done or didn't understand it because it's like, oh, one person can go and proceed the story without you watching, so it's it's quite easy to miss it. How did you guys find that? Did, we did we went hand, hand become... in hand, not yeah. not not even touching the game apart from the couple of times I snuck on to steal things because Dave doesn't like Thief Losa, but I like <laughs> Thief Losa. So like Dave would load up his game one time or load up the game one time and he'd have like 20 grand in gold in his pocket I don't, I don't know how that got there it just I, you said you wanted that weapon and there was just, it's there was interesting just <laughs> um, but we played it following each other only playing at the same time yeah we were kind of attached at the hips yeah. in terms of like we didn't split up and, unless it was a puzzle we didn't really split mm-hmm. up and do things although it is very cool that it gives you that option right like you can have four people doing four different things at once with this weird all using the same world but all progressing different things at once it is very cool and I, I, I think that stops like I don't know if you guys have ever played something like Diablo or Champions of Norath or any of that with somebody else but those times where they're still at the shop and you're like I'm done come on let's go yeah that wears See, on you it's, it's weird you say that because like when I was playing this with with other people it never even occurred to me that I could just disappear I just kind of automatically have that thing in my head right okay is everyone ready let's make a town run okay <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Okay, are you guys done? Oh no. Okay, I'll go make a cup of tea while you do. Yeah, like that. Never even. That's crazy. But the, the reason for that is that the combat is normally so difficult that you need everybody there to participate. I, I wouldn't argue that. It, I would argue that it's not so much difficult. It's just so much fun. Like, like you yeah. don't want to miss yeah. a fight. Um, and yeah. I, I wonder if uh, if that's why their story. And I think two is definitely better than one takes a very back seat is because they know the strong point they have is the combat well there's there's the other side of that as well because the first one is you are two you are two like predefined characters like as you can customize them but 
the story is the same. Oh well, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, this this one you ha- you can make your own character, like a complete custom character with its own class and its own spells, or you can pick one of the predefined characters with a different race and a different story. And there's two great things to that. One is that you can each person can get their own adventure, but there's so many predefined characters that it kind of forces you to play it twice if you need if you want to see all of that like i i've completed this game one and a half times and i could probably complete it three if i wanted to see all the story beats if all right you choose to so you bring up a good point the predefined characters uh when me and craig first played i wanted him to see you know what it was like with the predefined characters because they all have their little sign stories now, we both came to the conclusion very quickly that there are two duds and only four good characters. Um, no, so no one wants to be Ibn Ben Ibn Ben Haben Faben? Yeah, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to be him. He's boring. Look, were you Ibn? No, I was the Red Lizard. Okay. Uh, ah, the Red Prince. I went, yeah, the Red Prince. I went the four guys, though, just because I didn't like the the emo uh, rogue type. Osa. And I, the elf was the last person I met. All right, well, let's, let's go through them. Let's, uh, let's go okay. through them real quick. Right, yeah, yeah. So sorry, sorry. Uh, one of the most charming things I've ever seen in a video game is when you're at the character select screen, you can push a little button, and the character basically introduces himself trying to sell themselves mm-hmm. as the main character. So it's and like that, a cover sheet on a, on a, it is so on cool, a job right? application. It's really cool, yeah. Uh, so so generally, you'll go through and you'll watch all six of these little openings, and you'll be like, I think you're the coolest. Uh, so up first, we have arguably the second coolest. Uh, that would be the Red Prince. Uh, Red Prince, the races of this world, which I don't know the name of it. That should tell you something. Are There's the lizard people. There are the uh, the normal humans, which only Mike likes to play the normal vanilla humans. Revelon. Uh, oh, Revelon. Revelon. Yeah, there we go. Albion. Uh, Skyrim. Whatever. So there's also uh, just humans and undead. There's not a huge variety of races going on. So it's not like Dungeons and Dragons where you have like eight different races to choose from. But uh, Red Prince is, well, he's a Red Prince lizard. Uh, very cocky. Very, do you know who I am? And this was your main character, Luke? Yes, he was a two-handed warrior. Okay. All right. Then we have Ifen... I'm going to try to say his name correctly. Ifen Ben <laughs> Mazad, um, who we called <laughs> Ifen Ben Fabenhaben. <laughs> he is a beardy man who likes to shoot things, and we'll leave it at that. Something to do with elves. I don't know. He's boring. Well, I actually thought... Ethan had an alright storyline. I think it turned out better than Beasts. We'll get into Beasts in a minute. <gasps> what was wrong with Ethan? I don't like Ethan. To me, he is boring. He's your, oh, I'm the lone rogue man and I have a beard and long hair. By golly, we're going to get the job done. Kind of guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Luke, why do you like Ethan Ben Haben Fabin? Uh, I needed an archer, and <laughs> he seemed cool. <laughs> and <laughs> no, uh, to be honest, I would totally agree with you until you get later on in the game and you actually find out a bit more about him. And you know, he'll he'll have uh, 
he'll bump into like others from his creed I think maybe the right word um but him and red prince had a pretty cool I, I, did you take it in with you at all no 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 we killed him actually <laughs> oh well you, you quite quickly find out that the organization he works for are trying to kill red prince um they've got a hit out for him so there's that like little bit of conflict so yeah it, it kind of works for me um uh, the best I could put it is, Iffin looks like he belongs as the protagonist of an he's Assassin's Aragorn. Creed game. He's, a, he's Aragorn, yeah. He's, yeah, he's a big bearded white guy, yeah. I don't like Viggo Mortensen either, so maybe that's why I don't like oh, Iffin. Green, Green Book, that's a great film. I just watched that a few months ago. You should check it. Okay. Hang on. Viggo. Viggo. Mar. It's Aragorn. He's the only person acting whose name is Viggo. Well, there's Viggo from... Um... <laughs> uh, Ghostbusters 2 <laughs> uh, well yeah but you always add the Carpathian at the end of it <laughs> oh my oh him right I'm with you now he d- his his Wikipedia photo doesn't look like him as in Lord of the Rings I mean Lord of the Rings was like 20, 20 years ago <laughs> I know that makes us feel so old um, oh my god okay there's a lot to cut here okay moving on <laughs> is uh what I think me and Craig kind of agreed is one of the best characters in the game uh, is Losa. Yeah, Losa Losa's, um really appealed to me. I used her as a, a twin-wieldy runabout dagger lady. Um, her story climaxes in quite a spectacular way, and the build-up to it is reasonably okay. There's a few awesome quests, um, and she's got good banter. So I, I took her on as the cheeky, cheeky awesome woman. Um, um, we, yeah. actually, we, we actually had a false start because I had Sibyl as my um, that's a, an elf lady who looks like she should be using daggers and I wanted twin daggers but I very quickly realised I didn't like her and we had to start again and it was Dave explaining to me, this is going a bit off topic but it was Dave explaining to me for the 40th time that it doesn't <laughs> matter what class you choose to start with, you can change it later I, that that concept did not sink into my brain at all. Um, so eventually, yeah, yeah. Put a pin to... in that too, because I want to talk about that later. Yeah, so yeah remember that. I, I, I deliberately not touched on that one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Lo- I, I quite like Losa. Yeah, our, our... isn't she just Phoenix from Phoenix and uh, oh, who's the the Southern girl from X Men? The one Rogue, Rogue, Phoenix and Rogue. Yeah, mixed from X Men. Uh... That, that that was. A... Yeah, but I meant like Phoenix and Rogue are, are knockoffs of other characters. Yeah, it, it, it's the possessed character that doesn't quite know what's in there. Uh, Brahms the boy, perhaps. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's just uh, her personality type I really like. Like she's the goofball. I, I just like her character, the way she approaches things. Like th- you always get a certain amount of uh, choices for your dialogue. Mm-hmm. And the snarky one always seems like it works great for yeah. Loza. So, yeah, I, I just, I like her character type. Um, she came to a rather explosive end mm-hmm. in our playthrough. <laughs> yeah, RIP and PCs. And we, we learned you didn't have to have that happen, but whatever. <laughs> um, next up is um, Ties for Losa for my favorite character, and that's Fane. Uh, Fane is one of the undead. He's one of the eternal races. This was who I played with when I did it solo. Um his story is almost integral to the entire game. Yeah, definitely. Like being part of one of the Eternals. Um, 
It also has this really cool thing where the entire game in his story, it's hinting at there may be a traitor in your group. There may be a traitor in your group. And it, it, it's just kind of a nice little cool uh, path to follow, but I'm not going to talk about it here. Uh, for me, when I played him, Fane was my archer. When I played with Craig, uh, I went magic-y. And eh, yeah, it worked pretty good. Um, I, I do like Fane's got that fish out of water thing going on. That is always kind of fun. And he can rip off people's faces. <laughs> yeah, so... yeah. Good, good stuff that. Um, I, I also played Fane. Uh, the first time I played this, I made him a pyrotechnic, um, which is fire. And quick tip, uh, undead don't use health to heal, they use poison. So um, a lot of the poison spells are ones that you'll drop on the floor and then you can run into, or you can yep. like sit, turn water into poison. So poison is also flammable, uh, so not a good combination. Killed a lot of it. A lot of the team did fade. Oh, yeah. Uh, his, yep. health, his health was good, though. I, can, um, I can't count the amount of times I thought I finally understood this concept and I shot Dave with a poison arrow and he still <laughs> took the physical damage from the arrow. <laughs> <laughs> like damn it i'll get this one not to mention days. the odd healing spell that would go fame's way just yeah. ow, ow 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 yeah it's a mechanic i love it that that you can heal undead with normal restoration spells and it actually damages them the only thing is like all the npcs know it so if you've got fame on your team he's guaranteed to get like healed by the enemy uh-huh. My favourite Fane incident was midway through the game. I can't remember where on the kind of like right hand side of the second the second map, and we had just rescued people who were being held hostage. And up walks Fane to go, jolly good show. We just rescued you, and they're like, "Oh my god, it's an undead!" <laughs> and they all ran off. <laughs> this, oh, why did they? Oh yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the undead also have a really cool mechanic in that if they're not completely covered from head to toe in armor or clothes, people will know they're undead. Uh, so people generally don't like walking, talking skeletons. So you either have to make sure you're wearing somebody else's face that is disguised or you're covered up. I wish I wish there had been more things like that for for the other race, like to make lizard people seem really unique. But I think it's a great idea for the undead. Um, next up is 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 Beast, and while Beast I think has one of the weakest stories, he's a proper bro, and he's a proper bro because he's a dwarf, and all dwarves are bros. Yeah, Beast Beast at every single point in the game when he has any dialogue says the sensible, logical, right thing to say. Well, everyone else is like, murder everyone, or this, that, that. Beast is just like, come on, let's just think about this for a wee second. This is the actual sensible solution. Whether you go with that or not, it's a different story, but he seemed to be the, the, the one way his head screwed on. Yeah, Beast was my second. Like, I had, I controlled Fane and Beast. Beast? <laughs> Beast became kind of like the that outcast of my party he was there but I, if i could have swapped him i would have and he, he eventually became like the the noob beta tester so like whenever i got a new skill i'd put a point into that talent to figure out what he was and he was just like he was completely useless <laughs> by the end of the game but he could teleport he could flame he could do everything uh <laughs> yeah i i don't know i just bounced off that character didn't didn't think much of him the the only problem I have with his story is it takes place so late in the game. By that point, everybody else is 
story has progressed and they're kind of at their midpoint and his is just starting. You're like, yeah, whatever, Beast. You don't need to talk to your aunt or sister or whatever. Uh, and then you have Sabeel. And before we talk about Sabeel, let's talk about the way the elves look in this. The elves are the coolest version of elves I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of elves. They are pretty because cool. Because like, I have a head tall, injury. Dark, sharp, really quite... They're not like the gentle forest elves. And I said yeah, that they look the fluttering, fluttering. They like, look emaciated. They have that yeah. weird veiny thing going through them. These are very mm-hmm. different elves. They're very cool. Sabeel, mm-hmm. on the other hand, just wants to stab you in the face repeatedly with yeah, her little oh, she's, needle. She's... I didn't like the time I spent with her at all. Um, at, at, at all. So, I mean, she has some pretty good skills. Elves can eat flesh. For a start, so you right off the bat, you're kind of fine with that flesh. And there's some cool points in there's cool points in the game where if you eat someone's foot, be like, oh hey, they knew the teleport spell. Now yeah. I know the teleport spell. Um, <laughs> it is very cool to eat other people in this mm-hmm. game and go, oh, you mm-hmm. get this nice little blurb of, oh hey, this is what their last moments were, or this is what they were thinking about, yeah. and then pff, you just get their stuff. It's very cool. Yeah, eat a foot, an extra action point. Things like, just <laughs> just random things um, about foot ah. eating. So you're running about with a bag of heads. <laughs> so, other than those... <laughs> well, first off, Luke, do you have any uh, points about Sabeel, or did you just not take her at all? She was the last character I bumped into in the world and didn't take her. I really wish I had. So the current playthrough I'm doing at the moment is Fane, Sabeel, and Lohose. The Jose, Losa. the Jose, that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm just kind of going through and figuring out their story beats. But uh, you're not running with a fourth? No, I, I'm trying the lone wolf thing out, which is actually quite cool. So um, that's maybe a good segue. Hey, hey. Uh, so hey. each th- this game is weird, and it's it's that D D thing of like you can have classes but they can also pretty much do anything in this game so um how am i going to explain this best uh okay so uh think of it in terms of like uh when you pick a class in dark souls right you pick cleric you're like oh hey i start with a healing spell and that's it like everything else you do past the start point is completely customizable so if you want to start with fane and you're like ooh. Being a ranger sounds cool, and then you start fiddling with the ranger uh, abilities and you know their weapons. You're like, eh, I'm not really feeling it. There's nothing stopping you from slowly transitioning him every level up into a warrior or into a mage. Um, everything is completely open at all times. And as a matter of fact, it kind of uh, encourages you to be like, sure, you're a two-handed warrior, but eh, there's no reason you couldn't use the teleportation spell um you know maybe you're a wizard and it's like nothing wrong with having bull rush you know it's very it's like a buffet of abilities and you're just picking the ones you want it's not well you're a wizard so you can't get this ranger ability you can get sky shot as a wizard doesn't matter uh so yeah it's very hard to look at the entire list of abilities and go okay what do i want um, yeah. As you can tell by I, mine and Craig's playthrough, where we're like, "Uh, my, I, I, I probably would do this differently a third time around or a second and a half time around. I don't know how far did we get in my second playthrough. I can't remember. Ah, uh, we got out but, of um, Fort Joy. Yeah, 
Um, at my first playthrough with Dave, I played probably the most stereotypical two rogue classes you could ever imagine. I did dual-wielding um, Losa and an archer Red Prince, and they kind of branched out. They were teleporters and stuff, but there was no real... The, it was more using equipment, like a fire arrow, rather than going down the getting a fire spell type thing I went. And it works. I mean, if you plow all your points into doing anything, you'll, you'll hit the cap of any of these abilities or attributes bef- way before the end of the game. So you can start farting about with where you put stuff. But, oh, yeah. You hit the cap long before even like the midpoint of the game. Yeah, if you go nothing yeah. but like Hydra Fist, you're good. Yeah. And the, the good but thing that's a D and D thing. That's that's straight from D and D. Yeah. The the good thing about it is you, there's a combat. Say there's a combat ability or an, an ability, and it's tell you want teleport. You might only need three points and whatever attribute. Air so third. you just it, thank you. Yeah, I never remember any of them, and that was the source of our conversations. Of what is that <laughs> one again? What does that <laughs> one do? Um. Yeah, so you might only need three points, so you just go, ah, oh, what, whatever, I'll just put three points in there. You get your spell, and that's it. You've you've done it, but then you might discover that there's a few other Aerothurge skills that you want, you fancy, so you just you wing it half the time, and it's it's great. It's so flexible. And at the end of the day, after the first kind of chapter, I don't even know if it's a chapter, you can respec completely and utterly change whenever you, you want. Yeah, whenever you want, you just walk up to a mirror. Yeah, and you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, "Those three points in Aero Thirds were a bit useless because I've got a ring that teleports and I'm not going to get rid of it. So now I'm going to put those three points in something else. Geomancer, I, if that's one, I can't remember. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and then it, to, to complicate that even more, you then get like items that have like plus one or plus two in a special skill set. Mm-hmm. So you can use items to then boost that. But one thing I found today, and like I'd like to touch on this a bit more, but I won't go into that topic just now. Um, crafting. So if you you know like so when you're around in the world, you can level you can level your character up, and you can put you put points into like strength and you know the typical like constitution, like health or intelligence. But then you can also put points into different areas like are you, do you want to make your weapon skills better or do you want to learn a new magic skill so you can actually learn a spell however you then get spell books that you can buy to learn a skill permanently or you can find scrolls around the place that you can use to cast a spell one time today i've discovered that if you combine the right combination of a a book from a skip like a, a specific talent so say warfare which is like the warrior skill set and you mix that with like a, a pyromancy skill the right one you can get custom skills that oh you yeah you get apply. hybrids yeah yeah i i did not know about this and i'm like oh my god i need to figure all these yeah out. so like so, if, if you mix um if you mix the necromancy skill of using blood with the hydra fist skill rain you can make blood rain and every guar fan is happy um, yeah, there's there's so much in each uh, skill tree. Now, out of curiosity, when I see a giant list of things, I don't go, ooh, this is going to be fun. I get to try them all out. I like to restrict myself because otherwise I just take everything and then go, I don't know what I'm doing here. So, I, I mean, I know, Craig, with me and you, it was, it was your first time. But, like, um, going forward... The way I like to play it is I will I will kind of do what Craig did and say, okay, this person is going to be just 
a Hydra Fist and a Pyromancer, right? And then using those very small boxes, try to find figure out how to do each encounter with just those two boxes. Are you guys like that? Or are you guys kind of that? nope, give me everything. I want to use what I use whenever. I I um I know I did my two stereotypical rogues, but if I rolled a mage or something, it would be a very focused mage on a particular tree of skills or something. Like I like just having a set build with a limited amount of tools, even though you can chop and change. Like I like my bar at the bottom, just having a couple of pages worth of skills. I don't like thinking well, I could use this skill, or I could use this, or I could use... There's only a limited amount of scenarios, so you're not going to need 40 different, you know, like, skills to inflict water damage. You're only going to need a hand, like an area of effect and a direct attack, and you're sorted. So I, I kind of like that. Okay, so you're like that. I like to squeeze every use I can out of the one yeah. skill I'm taking. Okay. And I love, um, I love taking that a step further. I like with... Numbers and things like Luke says, if you can get equipment to boost that, I love fiddling the numbers to get those tiny wee things maxed out and just forget about everything else. Um, what about you, Luke? So, it's, yeah, I had a good think of that. Well, um, pretty similar to Craig, but I, I think I approach this like a traditional JRPG or even like Warcraft maybe where you'll have a build. Um, so, like, when I first played it, I had a warrior, and he was he was, you know, obviously to take all the damage. And I had my dedicated ranged, I had a a, a rogue, I had a, a magic user, and then it slowly became as I figured out how the game works. Right, okay, so I have a warrior. He's really slow. However, if I put some points into pyromancy, then I can I can get my warrior to run quickly. And then, right, my 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 team is really good against people that have physical armor, but people that have magical armor, they're they're really rubbish at because I'm not doing enough magical damage. Right now, I need to make a build like that, and it slowly progressed from being like that typical. This is this is my class, and I'm sticking with it. To how do all these different builds work? Can I make a class that I want to that that becomes like dedicated, but it's not within the realms of this is a warrior this is you know like yeah youtube youtube has so many different guides of like people making their own builds and like you know like death knight or blood knight or um and that's the sort of stuff i've been interested in and like moving towards so the the first run through like by the end of it everyone had a little bit of everything but were dedicated to one like i think everybody learned teleport because it's you can oh it's so useful with it yeah you can just just keep keep all the ranged people as far away as possible until you're ready to deal with them. But, um, and that's the thing I love about it. And like, I've only played D and D a couple of times, but that, that's the thing that confused me so many times when playing with it was that like, okay guys, we're level five now and I've got all the skills in my, or, or whatever level it is you get to, but D and D is the same. It's not like you can push yourself in one direction, but it kind of encourages you to, multi-class or do whatever it, it does but D, like uh, unlike D, D kind of has that bounding box of like no if you don't have like enough intelligence you're not going to be a yeah, wizard yeah this yeah. takes that out completely and yeah. just yeah you can be a wizard that's fine don't matter to me um, <laughs> yeah. okay so let's talk about uh, just briefly uh, talk well, what about what about you Dave hang on oh, oh I, I like to pick a class and use just that class's tools 
to try to solve the problems. So like right, in okay. like like for example, if I'm playing, I don't know, Fallout, I'll be like, okay, this person is only going to use pistols. And about halfway through the game, you're like, this was a mistake. But <laughs> the fun for me is trying to figure out, okay, how can I use what this character is good at to solve this problem where they're at a disadvantage? That's where I find a lot of fun. So for me, having very specific bounding boxes is good kind of thing. So that, that's the way I like to play. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. So let's go briefly over each of these uh, classes. I'm not going to like go down. And next on the Arrow Third spell list, no, we're not. It's just these oh, are God. kind of your classes, let's say. Uh, and every character, whether they're pre-made or create a character, can use whatever of these whenever they want. There's no Red Prince can only be Warfare. So... First up, we have Arrow Thirds. Uh, this is the spell line that's very based around lightning and moving quick and all those kind of things. It's lightning stuff. Uh, Craig, were you were you Arrow Thirds? I think I was on Aero our second Thurge run. And... Or... We Hydrofest, yeah, yeah. Well, when we did our second playthrough, we split the elements of like he took two, I took two. Um, yeah, okay. So, so for you, uh, Luke, this was just a dip in, take what I need, and that's it. I ended up, um, I started off with a rogue that was like an archer, and then it became a rogue with like uh, daggers, and I used Aether Surge there because the just the mobility of being able to A, teleport people or switch my position with somebody else, but also the, I think it's, is it Dazzling Strike or something, where you basically teleport between a few different enemies and do a little bit of damage. Oh yeah, you Nightcrawler them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was really handy as well, so... Um, yeah, that that was one I picked up later in the game and wish I'd put a lot more points into at the start. Uh, next up, we have Geomancer. Uh, Geomancer is is one of my favorites. Not my fig- top favorite, but um, this is very much around terrain control, as you would think. Like, you know, you can, boom, make oil puddles, or here's a bunch of rocks, or uh, with Fane, like, Fane ties to this line really well just because of it's a lot of poison-based things. Again, another good one uh, for I, I found for the archer class because you could then use it to like kite people around, which is uh, sorry, kites like a Warcraft term. Oh, well, I don't know if it is. It's everybody one, kites like Zerg. Yeah, yeah everybody. Yeah, knows yeah, yeah. Means, sorry, yeah. you know, you like you slow an enemy and then you run away from it while you shoot it from a distance. Yeah, yeah. Or huck giant rocks at them. Um, yeah. Craig was our resident huntsman. I was. Every time he came across a wolf, he had to kill it with an axe. It was very strange. Oh, sorry. Huntsman was kind of my Red Prince build, and it was very much based around arrows and being high up in the terrain and general... Oh, well, there was some first aid and stuff as well, but it was more about, do you want ricochet shots or do you want um, reactive shot where you set up a, a zone of monitoring and if an enemy crosses into it, you shoot them. It also has one of the greatest talents of the entire game, which is tactical retreat, which gives you an extra yeah. wee <laughs> jump up. So your first move can always be to jump to a high area and then start raining down arrows. And it, it was absolute bliss to use once once it clicked like it did eventually click i know we joke and say i kept on shooting dave but it did click at some point 
and we started doing fights. When Dave was dead. <laughs> in fact, I remember right in Fort Joy in the Coliseum, the first time we played the Coliseum, it was a disaster. And then the second time we played it, it was breeze, bright and breezy. And you're the same level. It was a different game, but we were like, what's changed? And it was actually just a point where I actually got it after a whole well, game. Yeah, well, <laughs> watching, watching the enemy AI use classes the way they're supposed to be, you're like, oh... I got uh-huh. it now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yet, yeah, this so is the first one with like a... Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, no. On you go. Yeah, on you go. This is like the first one that has a really cool secondary ability, which is it basically has a percentage that climbs to where depending on how high you are, the bonus damage you get. And you can get that to some ridiculous mm-hmm. numbers. Can um, The Red Prince ended up being like primary damage dealer for a lot of the time. It was just like raining down hell. He also has some pretty good... Um, one tactic Dave alerted me to, which I think I managed to successfully use once, is you get a special ability, arrow spray. Fire 16, 17, 18 arrows, however many, in an arc. But if you walk right up to an enemy and shoot them in the face yeah. with it, they're yeah. going down. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, so uh, another thing I, I picked up on this one that I'm doing just now, um, there's, uh, there's a quest at the start of the game where there's a cat follows you. I won't spoil it, but if you manage to rescue said cat, oh yeah, um, you can then summon it and it will allow you to jump up to, it can jump up to high places and then you can switch positions with it. So it's like perfect for an archer. Like, I, yeah, it's so good at like... It's just completely turned the game around for me mm-hmm. already, and I'm playing on a harder difficulty. And I'm like, ah, right, this this guy that's got the summon now has to be an archer. That's the end of the yeah. story. That's I, we yeah. didn't get a lot of use out of uh, Stan the Cat, as we called we him, uh, <laughs> because of my favorite class, which we will talk about later. Um, next up, we have Hydra Fist. Uh, Hydra Fist is generally the very healing related. There's a lot of like, oh look, uh, you're on fire, Dave. Let me put you out with some mm-hmm. rain. Or ice, um, ice. Don't slip in the puddle. Just slipped in the puddle again. Yeah. Every time you freeze a puddle and you have to walk across it, you're like, please don't, please don't, please don't, please, don't, please. Uh, it, it's it's a lot of terrain management when it comes to water, which the name makes sense. Um, we found this really useful because it, this ties both with um, Aerotherge as well. So you know, you you make it rain. There's a bunch of puddles. You can electrify the puddles. Uh, we'll talk about the, I don't, I guess you would call it what terrain interactivity. Yeah. Um, later on. Yeah, go with that. I I don't think like a hydra fist. I think is the one I don't think you could take as a main, because there's not a lot of damage skills there, if I remember right. Uh, no, not a huge amount. Just top tip for the ice thing. Another one I got off of YouTube, by the way. Uh, if you combine your your shoes with nails, you you'll never slip on ice again. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the nail shoes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, uh, honestly, this this level of detail is just blowing my mind. This is the sort of stuff like, and yeah, I I knew I shouldn't have picked this game and started playing it again because I'm not going to play anything <laughs> else. <laughs> um, well, I mean, like like final thoughts, you. But this is what puts it on a different level of like JRPGs is oh 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 you can do that uh speaking of things you can do that Dave loves to do uh Beast was my resident warfare slash necromancer uh necromancer came in handy quite a lot because uh just like huntsman you have a secondary effect to every time you put a skill point into this it gives you a health return you basically get vampiric strikes so first point is like 10% and then 20%. So you can make an almost unkillable tank if you do things right. If he gets to hit people, that's 
a big if sometimes with some of the fights they have set up, but it's a very useful thing. Uh, a lot of stuff involving corpses, like bam, make corpse explode, or here, raise a bone spider. Uh, we named our bone spider Jimmy Eight Legs. <laughs> uh, and J- Jimmy was pretty good. Jimmy was pretty handy. Um, yeah, do you have any experience with this, Luke? Uh, yes, yeah, so this was, again, my uh, my main character, uh, Red Prince's class. Now, interestingly, I'm playing this class again just because I think you need a tank, and especially to kind of soak up the damage, but I'm using the Polymorph and Necromancer as, like, the second and third. One is to get the health back, but the Polymorph... Now, this is a, this is a spell that, like, a, a class I just completely didn't get the first time I played it, so completely ignored it. But it basically allows you to crowd control. Um, so you can turn yourself into a bull and like use that to charge in, which gets over the whole, like, th- this game has weight in it. So if you have a lot of armor on, you're going to run really slow and it'll use up all your all your attack points or action points. Um, so that gets around that. But also it allows you to use, um, I'm not going to say this right, atrophy uh, which will knock a knock the weapon out of your opponent's hand if they've got no armor which is which basically makes them useless if they're a warrior or an archer uh, and you can also turn them into chickens which takes them out the, the action for it. so my tactic at the moment is bull rush in knock weapons out of hands turn the caster that's miles away doing all the damage into chicken and then soak up some damage which is which is working amazing um, the polymorph, I think, would be the only line where no matter what you are, there's something useful in polymorph. Yeah. Plus the fact that every time you put a point in it, you get an extra attribute point is is brilliant. Um, oh, we did a lot of that. chickens. Uh, Losa was a resident chicken wrangler. Yeah. <laughs> Losa's um, kind of general tactic was to chameleon cloak, idle up to someone, um, backstab someone in an opening move, check in the next person and then run away a wee bit and then go back in and do it all again. It was it was a pretty... By the end, she was really weak for maybe the first two thirds of the game, then came into her own and then exploded. So it was like, it was a story <laughs> arc and like nothing else. And it just says like X-Men all over. She got again, too yeah. strong. Too strong. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I... Even though Fane um, wasn't a big melee guy, uh, tentacle lash was useful in about like 99 out of 100 situations that's one that puts atrophy on it your mm-hmm. arm turns into a tentacle and you just whap someone upside the head um it's really good and, and even things like spider legs like i just had beast with just enough points to get spider legs and that's so handy because you could just ignore so many terrain problems with spider legs and angel wings so yeah this is kind of the first one i'd say i don't care what you are polymorph is mm-hmm. an excellent choice Mm. Kind of, uh, uh, sucks i missed out on it the first time i i just i saw the the turn into the chicken thing and i was like eh, okay yeah. but see i was the opposite i saw a tentacle lash and like wait my arm can become a tentacle mm-hmm. yeah and that was like my first first <laughs> that lovecraft thing lash. is it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's great um next up we have pyrokinetic uh this is involving ice and um <laughs> coal uh yeah so pirate connect is exactly what you think it is fire does nothing but damage like it's pretty much just do you want to kill people hit them with fireballs uh there's a lot of really cool skills in here uh, also related to um like haste so mm-hmm. it's a really nice utility tree but this is generally like the big damage 
mm. magic line. Uh, yeah. This was this was the cause of most of our upsets. Oh the, yeah, just just with poison, oil, and barrels and random things and fire. It's just a chaotic mix. Again, there was some point. Um, oh, I, I, I'm not very good at remembering the areas, but somewhere on the Reapers' coast where there's a, an epic battle where you're in the middle of this multi-leveled fort-esque bit, you know, just through the big wooden double doors, Dave. I can't make... Oh, I just yeah, rem- yeah. I remember being in there, and it's a massive area. If you zoom right out, you're talking about four screens worth of area, and everything was on fire. Like, it becomes a point where you think fire is the default state of most things in the game. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, and, and that was like what the first time we got our PS4s to chug. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's a lot of fire. <laughs> yep. I I found that if you had, so I ended up not using this class because it's like that. Yeah, it does a lot of damage, but it does a lot of damage to your own team as well. If you have like a good uh, hydrofist, you can build up the magic armor of your team and keep them wet and like yeah. But it it just seemed like you were you were wasting one character to get a good character. Mm-hmm. So I rolled away from that quite quick. I think like in terms of the magic lines, this is the one that requires the most planning because not only are you completely shutting off certain lines of access unless you have enough magic armor, it's also the one that is the most unpredictable if you don't plan. Yeah. It's like, oh, I didn't know the fire was going to, oh, it hit the barrel. Oh, uh-huh. oh, oh. And boom, then everything's boom, on boom. fire. Yep, those fi- those fire blob things. I remember that as well. That was just a chaotic under under. Yeah, when I used Geomancer to yeah. summon the oily bob, blob, <sighs> not oily bob, um, and then Craig's like, I don't know, daggers of fire. Why not? And it's just that whole trail. Just <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. Next up, we have the tree I don't like the most. Uh, that's scoundrel. I don't find a lot of fun playing the. Uh, stick them in the back and then disappear like uh if you remember one like Wolgraf, luke you remember Wolgraf? like yeah, he was yeah. my my least used party member just because other than adrenaline which is a very useful skill i don't find a lot of use in this so this only gets like the I, one point for adrenaline and that's it there i am a scoundrel fan as you know with losa so invisibility scoundrel in normally my first opening shot was rupture tendons so that any see seeing someone run away because you've went invisible or something like that and they don't know where you are so they run just damaging or chicken and rupture tendons yep it's great um you can cloak and dagger so that's another option to teleport you've got adrenaline for your two ap you've got backlash so if you're playing dual wielding rogue backlash is horrifically powerful towards the end and again it's multiplying with all the points and finesse and stuff it's it's multiplying right the way up so you get a couple of good knives and you're done like i i really scoundrel for losa was where it was at uh, oh, chloroform, chloroform too you did make a lot of good <laughs> use out of chloroform <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just remember that I was like yeah chlor- you put people to sleep they're out of action for a couple of tons and every every tiny wee thing like that makes a huge difference um so i i yeah i, I was a fan i sorry i got over excited there that's when you know no, it's I, fine. I really liked something. <laughs> <laughs> i um at this became my utility characters like saving grace because he, he started off as a cleric so he had a lot of armor and he could heal and then because he was so rubbish at anything else i just kept him throwing in points into the backstab like dagger build um and he did eventually start becoming useful but <laughs> uh, 
mixing this with the um, Aetherthurge and the mobility of that I found really useful as well, like porting around and you know switching places with people again uh, was quite good. But I tried this class the first time I played. Um, so I played for a couple hours with a few classes and then re-rolled. I think most people probably do that. I, I just found like you kind of get wasted if you get hit up close by anything that's <laughs> got any armor. Um, yeah. So uh, the next one is by far my favorite. Like, like this is the one that I will gravitate to almost any game. Uh, this is the summoning line. Uh, we had Frank and Frank was a beastie. Um, he saved us almost as many times as chickens. Uh, so all of this, this whole tree revolves around your little summon pet, which is a little incarnate. Uh, you can name him Frank. I would suggest it. It's a good name for him. Uh, once you get to a certain level, he like levels up. And that's when he this really comes into its own because um, you get very little attack uh, usage out of this. It's all very much revolves around just your summon. But you can buff your summon with different classes almost. So let's say you use an action point to summon Frank and Frank's sitting there and he's all cute and he's all like, I want to kill people. And you're like, hold on, buddy. Uh, then you hit him with something like shadow infusion and it turns him into a rogue. He can now go invisible. And then you hit him with ranged infusion and now he has ranged magic attacks. And then you hit him with power infusion. And now he's like melee ranged and um, a subtlety rogue at the same time. Uh, he's a monstrous. Uh, you can also, if you decide you want, you want a blood Frank and you're like, I don't know, blood Frank sounds fun or fire Frank. If you summon him in puddles of whatever that element is, he becomes attuned to that element. So if like you're fighting against poison slugs and you summon him from poison, poison slugs won't do anything to him. He's just incredibly useful, but it's all indirect damage. Uh, he, they only last a certain amount of turns, and you got to make sure you carefully plan things out. Or there may be a time where Fane's left out in the open, and it's a whoopsie. Um, but yes, uh, this is by far my favorite. Yeah, um, Frank and Jimmy saved our bacon on quite quite a number of occasions when the rest of the gang are dead. Um, I can't, sorry, I wasn't like I was tuning out there or anything, but it, I immediately started thinking of a story. When I started clicking at how to play that character, it was the one that I think I would be interested in dipping my toes into. Um, and the totems as well were just... Oh yeah, extra, yeah, the totems. An extra layer. So you've got a totem sitting in a different element, so it becomes an elemental totem. So you've got a couple of totems about the place. You've got Jimmy and Frank running about everywhere. There's maybe an oily blob over there, and you're standing back going, I'm just going to stand here. And just skip a ton. Just skip a ton. I can't yeah, it's pretty much like playing a, wi uh, a witch doctor in Diablo 3. You're like, yeah. I don't know, i got 400 summons. Who cares? Yeah. Um, there was a few fights that really did just end. There was a few fights where it was close and it was them that saved the day, but there was a few where we were just like, ah, just leave them to it. They're having their fun. Yeah, and then you have um, the only, I would say, really utility skill this has that's universal is uh, Planar Gateway, and it's where you pop down a gateway, and if you click it, you go to the wherever you place the other end of the gateway, so you can go like one side of the map, other side of the map, really quick. We did that for the the big the big guy. That we mm -hmm. fought the big mechanical guy. We'll just yeah. leave it at that. Uh, came in handy. And uh, okay. last, um, Luke, you're you're a, a warfare man. 
Yeah, so uh, this is your traditional almost warrior class, I would say. Uh, it revolves mainly around taking armor away uh, and crippling people and stopping them from running around. And then it kind of slowly transitions into that berserker, like whirlwind sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it is what it is on the tin, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, bouncing shield. It's very fun. Mm. It is fun to look like Captain America. Uh, you, you get a lot of <laughs> uh, like deflective barrier. Like I, I wouldn't. I don't think I got as much use out of this on my two-handed uh, beast. Beast was you know warfare necromancer, and the two-handed skills hit really hard. But I got a lot more usage out of slapping a shield on Fane and then just doing the tank up stuff, run in, be a target for everybody else, kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Um, all right, so though you might think that is a giant boring list you people just went over, please stop it. And I would say, okay, because we're at the end. Um, you may also think this is a giant buffet of stuff to choose from. It almost just, just based on the way it sounds, it almost sounds like you can become very overpowered with all this. Oh, well, you could just turn someone into a chicken and throw a shield at their head. And you're right, you can. Uh, the way the game mitigates why you can't on your first turn disable or lock down every person in the fight is its system of armor and magic armor. So on the armor side, this is basically adds up, you know, oh, you're wearing a breastplate. That's like plus 45 armor or whatever. Um, and you'll see these, which was also a bit of a pain for Craig to see sometimes. If something is to the left of your health bar, there's a, a bar that's kind of metallic looking and that's your armor. And to the right of the bar is a blue bar and that's your magic armor it's tiny. depending on what it's tiny it is very tiny but <laughs> depending on on what skills you use determines what kind of attack it is so if it's any kind of physical attack and sometimes it's a little tricky like uh is tentacle magic or is it physical but it generally always says um so if you hit somebody with tentacle lash they won't always get atrophied if they have enough armor to not have damage done to their health you can't hit somebody with a debilitating effect or a crippling effect or whatever unless the armor is down. Sorry, it took me a second <laughs> to make sure I did that right. <laughs> so the beginning of fights almost always devolves into, okay, let's shred all his armor or let's shred all his magic armor and then we can start crowd controlling. I really, really like this system. How do you guys feel about it? Yeah, I... Once I got my head round it, I did like it. And there was the occasional, why did you just hit him with magic? He's got no physical armor, but he's got like 8 billion magic <laughs> armor. You know, that did happen. But I, I really like it as well. It completely and utterly, you're right, you can you can build whatever class you want to build, but there's it's never going to be that the class ends up winning things for you. You're always going to have to think tactically and think about each battle in a different way. Because each fight brings different challenges and different mixes of these armors, so I, I I really like it. It's just it's that that um, cherry on the cake of what makes it so interesting to play. Yeah, I don't think I can add anything to, to that. I think you guys have summarized that really well. Um, th there are other things I think which are, are amazing, like you can apply. You know, I think we discussed previously that Fane heals with poison and um, is damaged by healing spells. But you can also like 
say for example you have a healer in your enemy team if you can coax them into healing someone that's damaged you then can apply a spell called decay which will turn the heal into damage oh yep uh, yeah and there's there's loads of little weird tactics like that which just kind of give it that extra edge of like you know it's like rock paper scissors and then you're adding <laughs> the shotgun the lava the, the yeah it just, <laughs> the dynamite yeah yeah, yeah um, it just doesn't I- stop from a game design standpoint, I think this is really smart because it eliminates something that's potentially very frustrating with these style of games. And that is this takes out all the percentage chance to apply debuff. Like in this, it's very simple. Do they have armor? If yes, they won't get struck by this debuff. If no, they will get struck by this debuff. It's it's very binary. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yes, you'll there are certain skills that like raise your evasion to a hundred and you'll dodge things, but for the most part, there is no ten percent chance to a poison. You know, ten percent chance to set on fire. It's all just binary. If they have armor, it won't work. If they do have armor, if they whatever, you know what? Yeah, I'm yeah, saying. yeah. And so you, you don't do, run into you, that. You can lower the hit chance as well, like you say. Like you, you can get yeah. enemies that will blind you, like which is another crowd control, and then you, your your accuracy comes right down. But yeah, it, it is it is that total, like. <laughs> yeah, you don't get that XCOM thing of like, okay, this has a ten percent uh, chance to work. Please, I need this ten percent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's very and it allows you to strategize because you can look at somebody and say, okay, that guy has no armor. I could turn him into a living bomb, and then you know chicken him so he'll run over that way then he'll explode uh there is no really if this works then i'll do this it's very set in stone of you can do this and then this uh so i think there's a very very smart move mm-hmm. another smart move i i think i think is to not make this real time yeah if this yeah, had yeah. been real time like 80 percent of the strategies we've just talked about would kind of go out the window yeah mm. You can kind of cheese it though, so like, so you can send one enemy and start a combat, and then sneak the rest of your team around into oh, yeah. different. Oh, places. absolutely! And yeah, yeah like, there was a few times we were yeah. saved because I managed to just escape ever so slightly, and then stand and heal, and then come back into the battle. It's like <laughs> crazy, crazy how flexible and breakable it is. And like Dave's, I almost said to Dave, we're cheesing this a wee bit, and he was like, it's meant to be It's meant to be this way. You're meant to get through it. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I also like how, how, like, and I'm not normally a big fan of, ch- like, cheesing and stuff. I'm more of like, okay, let me try to solve this problem. But this feels like, like Craig just said, A, it was meant for you to be like, no, this isn't cheesing. This is you using the options we gave you in a bunch of different ways. But it, like Luke said, it also adds that kind of cool little bit of realism there where you're like, okay, you go talk to him. And while you're talking to him, we're going to sneak around the back and get set up. Um, yeah. There's a lot of really cool stuff you can do. Like so, one, one thing I love is that you can also you don't have to just target a, an enemy you can target the ground so like you know if, with an archer you can shoot a specific item or you could shoot like you could you could get one of your characters to lay rain and then you could shoot a, a thunder arrow and like electrocute everyone that's been affected by the water but like just to show you how crazy this game is I watched a speedrunner play this game and there's this item in the game called death fog and Unless you're undead, if you touch Death Fog, you die. Um, so at the start of the game, someone managed to ga- grab a barrel of Death Fog, take it all the way to the end boss, drop it, 
shoot the barrel, kills the boss in one shot. And it's like stuff like that is just I, I find that amazing. That's <laughs> oh yeah, that's fog. That's fog saved us once or twice. We're like, I don't know. Yeah. Let's shoot the barrel. Fang will live. Yeah. Um, all right, and that's where we're gonna cut it for this week. So join us next week where we continue the conversation and probably get a little bit behind that spoiler wall. So uh, thank you very much for listening. You can get a hold of us on thebiteffect.com for any kind of reason you want, and we will catch you next time. 